Welcome to the 124th episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today we are covering shows that aired during week 8 of the winter 2020 season. As always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and in the podcast feed if you only want to listen to one or two discussions about shows because you're, you know, not watching everything like you should be. Come on, you're at home. You have no work. What do you have to do besides watch anime? Come on. Uh, True. <laughs> my name is Ecom, and I'm super excited that I get to sing this episode. Uh, I don't know what came over me, uh, but uh, something's going to happen later. <laughs> also with me are Leo and Kat. Hey. Hey. Still alive. Hello. <laughs> staying alive, staying alive. My, my work is still uh, uh. making me come to work, though, so... They suck. Yeah, so, so I think you're the only one of us that's working still full time, right, Leo? And this yep. COVID nineteen bullshit. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Well, I'm still I'm, I'm technically working from home, but I can't. I don't have all my software, so I can't actually do my job unless I go into the office and. Oh, yeah, they, I only they do not that have twice like a, a week. way for you to like remote into the they software didn't. or something. And it's been yeah. brought up so many times that we should have it. And they're like, yeah. we'll work on it eventually. And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And you never got around to it, did you? And now look <laughs> what's going on. That's the fucking nonprofits. They're all nice. archaic. Oh, that's not great. Yeah, yeah, they did. Like my factory were half factory, half offices. And office people have been gone all week working from home. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can yeah. answer my email, and I'm going in twice a week to, like, do essential things, but we're basically just done until... Hmm. I'm really curious about, like, the knock-on effect this is going to have, like, afterwards, when a whole bunch of businesses realize that, like, people can effectively work from home in certain situations. I would <laughs> like, hope so, but I feel like yeah. we're being optimistic about it, because corporations will just be like, yeah, but we want you here. Yeah, we want you here so you suffer and uh, ruin the environment by commuting, uh... Please, please uh, use more oil. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, use more oil. Uh, Leo, what have you got to talk about for nonsense this week? Uh, well, PS5 did also, but Xbox uh, Series X, it came out with uh, the specs for the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally, from what I can gather from it, the games are going to be absolutely beautiful. <laughs> on yeah, the xbox probably. it's gonna be a little ridiculous um so like this one we already knew we already knew it had like uh, uh 12 teraflops for its uh, uh gpu yeah. which is pretty pretty substantial uh it's doing this really interesting thing with its uh, memory so it's got like 16 gigabytes but it's got it split up doing like uh, three or four different things mm-hmm. like uh Man, I wish I could. Where did I post that? I think in the gaming thing. Trying to find it real quick. I was trying to find it real quick, but then you sprung on me real quick. This is the Xbox (laughs) specifically, right? Yes, yes. I'm talking about just the Xbox right now. Yeah, they've Um, always they've been like doing stuff to make their memory throughput faster. Um, That's like a big focus for the PS5 too. Like when they talked about their specs, like they're all in on like memory throughput versus like GPU power. It seems like it's interesting. Yeah. So, like, and that's about the only spec that the PS5 beats the Xbox out in. But then the Xbox is doing something really interesting where they're, they have uh, a certain program or two in place that, like, helps that process move along faster. And one of them was, like, uh, loading uh, textures on the screen. So, like, in a regular game right now, 
they load all the textures, even the ones you can't see. This right. new this new program that they have going on will only load the textures that you are seeing, that you can see. So the others won't load, so they won't need to uh, read as fast from the uh, hard drive. Yeah, so, I think um, a number of games have made use of that, but like none more prominently than like um, Horizon Zero Dawn on PlayStation Four. Like that was like one of their biggest things. Like the way right. we were able to make this world so like beautiful and like run decently well was because like you only see anything that's like in your vision cone at any given time, mm-hmm. and like you could see like the, like when the devs were showing that off, like, you could see it like on screen. It's like she Aloy's like turning around and like everything behind her is like disappearing if you like zoomed out but like uh and and that was interesting because like that game is getting ported to pc right now and people were kind of upset that you can't change the field of view like you can on a lot of pc games yeah um and i think that's partially because it's tied to that system yeah yeah what one of the interesting differences between the ps5 and the xbox series x the xbox has a one terabyte solid state drive Mm -hmm. while the playstation 5 only has an 825 yeah, that's a problem too. That's um, that's yeah, that's that's a that's a oh big good really big good game or even just like a couple smaller games that you can have on your hard drive. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's gonna be an issue. Like they did say for the PS5 that they have an M.2 slot that you can put another drive in. I guess I guess that I, th- I guess that's what they mean is like they can you can put a second drive in. Uh, whereas, like with the Xbox, they have that like pri- uh, proprietary, like external, like almost memory card type SSD slot in the back. Basically, of the box. it's made by Seagate. Too. Yeah, that's no- but it also you can plug in your external hard drives or solid state drives if you want to. So. Yeah, but uh, games won't run properly off of those necessarily, or they'll just run slower. Basically, they'll load slower. But yeah, why do you say that? Yeah, that's what they said specifically. Like because oh, like the NVMe that. SSDs that they're running the games off now are like, yeah, that's why even like for PS5, like they said like, oh yeah, you can put an extra M.2 drive in there, but it has to be one that is fast enough to actually like read and write, uh, like the drive that we already have in there is, or else the thing's gonna underperform basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's all about like loading times now. I don't know if Xbox has like specifically said where you can actually play games off of a USB drive plugged into an Xbox Series X. I don't think they I think they've said that you cannot, but I'm not positive about that. I'm not I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't yeah. Yeah, I guess I just don't know for sure about that if you would be able to or not. But I I don't know who I don't know anybody who plays games off a USB drive. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like, that sounds kind of silly to me. <laughs> yeah, it's just like slowing you down i mean they they said the use case for it is like yeah you can move your stuff to that drive for as like an archive if you don't want to re-download it every time you want to play it um Mm -hmm. and then you can swap it over to your main drive so that's something you can use it for but like i don't really care about re-downloading stuff because i don't have a data cap so it's not that big a deal to me yeah both have 4k uh blu-ray player of course and uh yeah. Uh, oh, just one of the cool features I thought about the uh, with the Xbox is is it's a cooling system. Mm-hmm. They have a rather unique approach. So the Xbox is kind of like a tower, and they have a large. Uh, oh, I forget how big this fan is. That's on the very top. Pretty big. And then, yeah. yeah, it's pretty big. Uh, 125 millimeters. Is that right? Maybe something like that. Yeah, something that's what like it looked that. like. Yeah. And then just the way they have the internal set up is like 
a pretty ingenious way to get like the hottest components, like the coolest, the fastest. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty ingenious how they did that. Now it's like, oh, that's really cool because with like the 360, they had heating issues, mm-hmm. but like they're like, yeah, we're, we're fucking dodging this bullet this time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Xbox One X was already like really well designed uh, for cooling. And then, yeah, looking at the, the videos of this that like Digital Foundry put out where like they, they show like how the different components of the thing kind of like snap together almost. And then there's a yeah. fan on top and then there's metal all around it for like heat spreading. Like, yeah, it seems like that's going to be. Yeah, I think it's good. even got like two little vents on the sides. So they're like, even if you like fucking like. <laughs> laid something a book on top of it like it's still gonna vent <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. pretty much so yeah that's it's just cool yeah, i'm, I'm cool really design. looking forward to it i think uh microsoft's really coming out strong this year because i think sony's been maybe more or less winning it the last couple of years but i think sony's just like throwing down the gauntlet i mean just looking at them you can see that the xbox will be the more powerful one so yeah, it's definitely going to be more powerful, but then it's going to come down to games, and they've been really trying with games lately, so buying yeah, studios well, and stuff, so we'll yeah, have yeah. to wait and see. Which is wasn't it funny when I posted it in our chat, I posted all this information, and then at the very end, as like a uh, uh, asterisk, I was like, I know the games is basically what's going to make people decide <laughs> which one they buy regardless, but I was like, here's the specs, because we're all nerds, I like this shit. Oh yeah, but, it's always interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah but... Uh, they're being smart. They're coming back. Microsoft is uh, bringing out the Halo fr- franchise back, so that's that's going to be a big one, nevertheless. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't know what either of them is really going to be launching with or coming out with. So, yeah, for sure. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, speaking of games, uh, last night at midnight, Doom Eternal unlocked. Uh, also, so did Animal Crossing. So, like, my Twitter yeah. feed and just my, like, Discord was just a mix of, like, rip and tear and, like, oh, cute animal village. Yeah, Yay. you could go oh, from, like, two totally different spectrums <laughs> here, could you? Jesus Christ. It was so funny, though. <laughs> like, I, like, in the games chat, one of the Discords I'm in, it's, like, people, like, posting, like, oh, here's what I'm naming my village. And then I'm posting, like, ripping a cocko demon's eye out of its skull. Like, <laughs> just, like, the fucking best dichotomy. Oh, my God. Um, I think Doom, I heard my friends yeah. talking about that. It's going to be like on the 3DS, isn't it? The Animal Crossing? Oh, well, it's on the Switch. It's on the Switch. I don't think oh, it's yeah, also yeah, on the 3DS. Sorry, yeah. I, I meant the Switch. I'm like yeah, in yeah, the past. Yeah. My brain is in the past. Oh, it's like, okay. It's pretty but, fun uh, from what I've seen so far. I've considered getting it because it looks cool, but I don't know. I, I, think I usually don't play very it. many games. I think people needed both of these games, like, right now. They needed, like, one that you could, like, really chill out with. And then they needed one that you could just, like, express a bunch of frustration and kill things with and watch them explode. I hate being stuck in my house! Let me destroy (laughs) this! Yeah. It's a good double whammy. It covers everybody. Um, Yes. Yeah. Doom in the first few hours, like, uh, it feels very similar to the original Doom. Um, except there is, like, a hub that you kind of go back to now, which is kind of interesting. And, and as you go back there after you complete missions, it unlocks more secret stuff inside of your hub, which is pretty cool. Um, I haven't gotten too far into it, but the story feels, like, very ridiculous. Uh, very early on in the game, there is someone who the Doom Slayer kneels down before? Like out of respect, and I was like, I didn't think I'd ever see that. <laughs> like, who the fuck Whoa, is this guy? That's weird. Uh, so, uh, but very quickly that changes that dynamic. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because now they're bringing more like 
there's always been demons in Doom, but now they're bringing sort of like angelic forces in as well. And so it's like almost a battle between the heavens and hell uh, over Earth and like, you know, the solar system and shit. And it's pretty great. Um, and the other main difference is just like getting around the map is way faster now because of like you have like a dash ability. Uh, you eventually get this ability with your shotgun where you can shoot out like a um, like a hook and then like hook yourself over to the people and stuff really fast. Uh, so it ends up just being like a really really fast paced game once you have the movement options unlocked and it's pretty crazy. Uh, it also oh, runs it, really well on my PC. What's it called from? Uh Zelda, the long shot or something like that? Yeah, like, is it called the hook shot? I think it's called the the hook hook shot. shot. Something like that? Yeah, Yeah. so that's what I was thinking of. It's exactly like that from Ocarina of Time, uh, the hook shot or whatever. Yeah. It's it's really fun to play. Holy shit. And uh, the the (laughs) best part is still finding secret toys hidden around the map. (laughs) But uh, but then you get the toys and you can, like, put them on a shelf in your, like, hub area. (laughs) You have, like, a whole shelf of, like, little Doom toys. It's great. That is nice. It's fun. Mm-hmm. That uh, is cool. Kat, what have you been up to? You know, like, really, it's just been about shopping a lot for groceries and preparing for the apocalypse. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, having fun with that. Um, I, I did, like, go clubbing a few times last week. Everyone was like, oh, no, coronavirus, we shouldn't be too close. <laughs> like, and actually, one of the clubs I went to was in Ohio, and they could only have 100 people there. And so we went like all excited, and then there's like nobody there, and everyone's like, oh, coronavirus, and it wasn't even any fun. Um, <laughs> it was sad. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I, well, know. I think having a whole club to you and your friends would be pretty cool, though. <laughs> way i mean i'm just like oh okay <laughs> it's it's odd um it feels off yeah and like i remember just you know going to restaurants and then being like you can't stay here now you have to like order your food and leave yep. <laughs> that was one of the yep. weirdest parts which is going into one of my favorite restaurants uh when my dad was coming back home and just like getting takeout and just seeing the whole restaurant like dark at a time when it would usually be filled with people and just exactly. like the person behind the counter has like a little bandana over their mouth and is like, here's your food. <laughs> it's just like, it's yeah, like the I've entire never world. In my so, fucking oh, life, seen people in the USA walking around with masks. Everyone's walking around with masks. Every grocery store I went to, full of people in masks. I'm like, Jesus. You know how, like, in a bad neighborhood, you might get out of your car and step on, like, a needle or something or, like, a condom on the ground? I got out of my car the other day in a super nice neighborhood, and, like, as soon as I stepped out of the car, I almost stepped on, like, a plastic glove that I was on the yeah. ground, like, threw it away. I was like, holy oh. shit, oh I'm in a gosh. fucking video game right now. What is this? No, my, my, um, my boss came in one day and was handing us reports with gloves on and a mask. And I was just like, chill, relax, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, our, uh, it's crazy. Our plant manager, El Haji, yes, that's his name. He uh, uh-huh. he won't shake anybody's hands, but he'll do elbow bumps. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, nice. Cool. So, yeah, so I'm elbow bumping with my plant manager. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it's bizarre. So, yeah, that's, that's about my what I've been up to. I'm glad okay. you guys are so excited for these new games, though. It sounds like they're going to be fun. 
Yeah, they've been pretty fun. I'm I'm still not sure if I'm going to get Animal Crossing. Maybe after I beat Doom. We'll see. But, yeah. All right, let's get into anime. We've got some anime to talk about. Episode 8 this week. Or in Chihayafuru Season 3's uh, version, Episode 20. May the Scarlet Cadceras. Arata has the coronavirus. He does. Uh, He's fucking going (laughs) to die. He's also not practicing social distancing well at the end of this episode. And I'm very upset. You must stay six feet from people as as possible as you can. Yeah. (laughs) They got that work too. It's on flyers. We're like, we work almost shoulder to shoulder with some people. (laughs) Just stop. So this episode starts off, it's got a brief scene in the producer truck that's like streaming the video of the match. I just found it funny that the producer is like, I don't know much about Karta, but I know this is a critical moment. And I'm like, just find somebody that understands the game to stream their biggest tournament, please. Like, this is, <laughs> like I, I mean, honestly, for like small like sports and stuff, like obviously this is going to be a case though where people are just like, I don't know what the fuck to focus on, but I'll just point a camera at it and hopefully figure it out over time. But uh, yeah, it was kind of funny that even they were like, we don't know. Um, all the old men from the Karta Association are really happy that the weirdo Suo might finally be going down. But then they realize that like Harada would be like a whole other type of headache because he's so loud and boisterous and ridiculous. Um, and so the match between Suo and Harada comes down to a luck of the draw, like at the end of the last episode. Uh, for once, Harada isn't completely confident about which card is going to be red. Um, but instead of like agonizing over it for too long, he gets up and takes like a big weird gulp of air to calm his nerves. Uh, and everybody's like, that's so weird. Uh, and then, but he does this all the time and he just decides like to enjoy the moment. Oh, wait, you forgot the weirdo powered up by, uh, putting his hair in a ponytail. Oh, that happens after this. <laughs> but after yes, this? damn it. Yeah, it's in the the last match. Yes, but he does. He so, but like in this match, he locks eyes with Suo, and they all they both seem to be like really enjoying this moment, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, Harada gets the feeling that Suo's heart is with the card that is on Harada's side of the mat. It's card number twenty five. It's a poem about a secret rendezvous between lovers that has the kanji for Meijin or Master in it. So, like, yeah, he he knows that, like, Suo, he thinks that Suo really wants this card. And, like, he's so sure that Suo is going to go for it that he faults when another card that begins with the same syllables is red. And so Suo wins the second match. And so, heartbreakingly, you find out that Harada's card that he was expecting would have been red next. If he hadn't faulted, he likely would have won. Uh, Mm -hmm. So he came that close to being the master then. And so there's a nice moment when Shinobu realizes that like the Tasaki things that Chihaya gave her to like tie up her robes in the previous episode were actually like from a torn up autographed daddy bear towel she had a few episodes back, which is like, damn, for her to tear that up, like that's a lot of respect because she really loves daddy bear. (laughs) And I think like Shinobu finally like gained respect back for Chihaya because of that. She's like, oh, she really cares about me even more than this stupid mascot. Um, and yeah, so she tells the announcers that she really feels this year like she won her match because the people around her were actually supporting her. And they're like, didn't you say that like last year and the year before? And she's like, yeah, but I was just winging it then. I didn't really mean it. <laughs> this year she actually does. So Chihai is agonizing 
because she like kind of hates that Suo is the master and that he's the best player of the sport when she doesn't like approve of the way he plays or the way he acts and she she actually thinks to herself she wishes she'd been born a man so she could take him down herself uh but then she realizes that like I gotta leave this to like Arata or maybe even Taichi to get this done like I gotta believe in them to beat him someday um and Arata, despite being sick, like we were saying, shows up to visit Harada and starts, like, coughing all over the place. He is wearing a mask, at least, but, geez. Um, and to show that he's taking the fifth match seriously, like Leo said, Suo ties his hair back into, like, a ponytail and then shaves. And they're like, oh, he looks so young. Because uh, he was looking kind of grimy before. Um, so in this last match, Harada, like, fights hard the whole way. But he's exhausted, and at the end of the day, he's feeling old, and he's facing a resurgent Suo, so he loses by 12 cards in the end. And that's uh, it sucks to see him lose, but it makes sense. Suo's better than him, and he's... Like, the victory was to make Suo actually take Karata fucking seriously for a minute, which most people weren't able to do. Um, and, like, Harada basically just hopes that somebody younger will use what he did to find a strategy to beat Suo next time. Um, and Taichi is like sitting there and he's thinking to himself like, man, even somebody with Harada's tenacity, like couldn't beat this guy. There's no way I could ever beat him. And like, he hopes that Suo like retires and becomes a legend of the past, like sooner rather than later is how he says it. And this is because Taichi is at heart a fucking coward and he always has been and he's the gross set of balls. Um, but in stark contrast, Arata is not a coward. In fact, he might be a little bit too stupid. Uh, when Suo's doing his post-match interview, Arata, like, walks into the room on television and yells at him, like, don't quit. I will beat you next year. And then Suo, who is, like, really awkward, is like, all right, I'll give you one year for free. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that that's pretty hype. I can't wait to see how that plays out. But, uh... Harada, whose wife told him that she like only wants to see him smile. That was really sweet. Harada uh, needs to lose some weight so he doesn't have to hurt his knees so much kneeling like that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> nice. He really does. He's kind of a diesel guy. Yeah, he yeah. In his older years, he should take some of that uh, that weight off and make things a lot easier. Um, there's a brief scene where Inokuma hopes that she's pregnant with a girl because like, holy shit, it's hard to raise three boys. Uh, and like Rion's grandmother comes by to check on her and basically tells her like, Hey, in, in my eyes, you're still really young. And like you taking another maternity leave is just like you taking like just a moment away to plant a seed for the future. Uh, <laughs> and I, yeah. And like you're That's tough enough to come back. That's such an awkward way to describe being pregnant. It Plant is. Plant a seed for the future, <laughs> and it will grow into a beautiful girl. Yeah, so kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it sounds like there should nice. be in a porno. Like I'm planting a seed for the future. No, that's interspecies reviewers, Kat. This is. <laughs> 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 oh man. So yeah, Inakuma like breaks down when uh, she leaves and cries in Sakurazawa's arms, and finally like letting her feel all the emotions come on like at once, basically after the whole day. Um, and then. Like the cowardly bitch he is, Taichi stays behind and doesn't take the train home with Chihaya because uh, he's going to play in a tournament the next day. And Chihaya is like, he's trying to get in front of me again. And yeah, so. Yeah, I, I really liked the last mat day of like the Masters match. Like, 
Like last episode, I, as I said, I was like kind of disappointed that they didn't show as much of the Queen match, but this match between Suo and Haruda was really interesting for multiple reasons. Like it reinvigorated Suo's love for the game, which makes him a more interesting character going forward and probably much harder to beat than he would have been just now. Um, like if he plays all five games of on his next whatever king match like the same way he played the last game against Harada, it's going to be hard for anyone to take him down so yeah good luck with that uh, and it also shows like the path forward for Taichi and Arata like Arata's focused on taking down Suo Taichi's focused on not being a cowardly bitch <laughs> and both of them are focused on Chihaya so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out sounds like it yeah <sighs> Okay. Uh, you want to move on to the next thing? Absolutely. Keep your hands off, Azekin. Episode 8. I also had this one. So, the Grand Shibahama Festival. Um, so, this starts off. The girls have finished the animation, and they're sitting behind Domeki as she finalizes like sound effects and sound timing uh, at the last minute. Uh, and they didn't have time to dub the voices, so they're going to dub them live, which is always risky, but it kind of works out later. Um yeah, but that sounds kind of, like, cool and fun a little bit. Yeah, it's super awesome, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would be so much fun to do that. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, you just have to, like, have the screen in front of you or something so you can tell when your part's coming up and everything. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this scene was really interesting, though, because it, it highlights how soundtrack can be used in multiple ways to accentuate a scene. Uh, like Midori has Domeki offset the soundtrack with the action a bit to give a sense that it's a building to a big moment uh, in one scene. And then in another scene that has a really expressive animation, she suggests that they just drop the music out entirely. So you can, you can tell this is like, Oh, it's a really cool moment. You don't even need music for this because the animation is so cool. Um, and it's just like, yeah, like you can really manipulate the audience with sound in multiple ways, whether it's like the presence of sound or the absence of it. And I also really liked Midori's evil laugh when Tsubami calls her a music master. Uh, it was really <laughs> cute. Um, but yeah, this is a big Tsubame episode. Her, her parents are excited that they're going to be able to see her cultural festival because as actors, they've kind of been distant parents. Like they haven't really seen her do stuff and really haven't really been with her very often. Yeah. They're, um, they're kind of excited to actually do something with her and see what she's made. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like, and see like, who she is through what she's made, kind of, yeah. Uh, who she's become. And, like, hilariously what freed them up for time is, like, the director and screenwriter of the movie they're supposed to be in attacked the producer with a katana over <laughs> disagreements over finances. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah artists that, being artists. <laughs> that, that does kind of just come out of nowhere, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, though. Oh, man. So... Uh, in fact, Subame's mom discovers that she didn't come home that night as, like, Subame is out eating cup noodles with the others. And they're talking about, like, how to make the performance a success. And Sayak is like, well, the two key factors are going to be negotiating with the HVAC club. Yes, this school has an HVAC club, which makes no sense <laughs> that they control all the air conditionings. Like, they need the room to be nice and cool for the screening. It's um, so weird to me. I, I feel like this club just has a, this school has a club for every single thing imaginable. Like, they yeah. probably have a club for people to stand upside down on their heads, too. <laughs> probably. 
one. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the other key factor they think, or Sayaka thinks, is like, we're going to need to sell this by putting Tsubame out in front and making her the face of it. Because she's the Obviously. cool model who everybody likes. Yeah. And so this is all to get them to hopefully raise the pre-orders for the DVD. Oh, oh, yeah. just back a little bit when the Subame's mom discovers she's not in there. Like, she went into her room, and I was like, that's one of the coolest bedrooms I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Like, it it has, like, a bottom floor plan, but mm-hmm. then there's, like, a ladder up into, like, her own little loft with, the like, her bed and everything. And I was like, dude, that's a fucking dope-ass design. I love that layout. <laughs> yeah, I really like that layout, too. And, like, I have a room at home here that has, like, a really high ceiling. Like, so it could totally have a loft, like, built into it. I've always thought about doing that because it would free up so much room on, like, the floor. But, yeah. I don't know. It'd be really cool. Um, it's kind of like college, though. Did you ever, like, in college, I had, like, bunk beds and stuff. Like, And mm-hmm. my desk was underneath the bed instead of, like, the bottom bunk. Yes, yeah. yes. We did that in college, too. Yeah. It's an easy way to fit a bunch of people in, like, an almost prison-like space. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> That's college uh, for you. I mean, uh. some of the dorms I was in were, like, not that much bigger than, like, a closet. So it really was kind of like, oh, no. We're... <laughs> We're really squished. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, on the day of the cultural festival, the girls are all struggling to get the attention of the crowd because, you know, everybody's got their clubs and they're all pushing whatever they're pushing. Like, but the robot club helps out. They rescue them when they like well, launch well, a rocket. One, one minute. Oh, we let's, have to yeah. talk about Subame's costume. She's in the, the entire <laughs> rest oh. of the episode. Okay. There is (laughs) a tail on this manta ray that is right on her crotch. And she's jumping around and running. And it's just swinging back and forth all willy-nilly. And it is was so fucking distracting for me that, like, I'm (laughs) missing everything else on the screen. Because I'm just like, who, who decided this was a good idea? Damn, I have to go back and watch that because I like did not notice that at all. I did not pay attention to that either. That's crazy. It's so interesting, like the things that like different people get distracted by. How you guys just blew my mind. You didn't notice this. I mean, I noticed her costume, but I didn't notice like uh, anything that looked phallic. The second she came on screen, I'm like, why is that tail right where her crotch is? This is uh, this is weird. And then it's just swinging the whole fucking time, and you're just like, uh. <laughs> I, I think maybe you were just a horny or something. I got to watch this. <laughs> I was. I don't I know mean, how you didn't see it. I'm happy to go back and rewatch that part of the episode because, like, I love this episode. So, like, I, I don't care. Like, I'll go rewatch that now. Did but, anyone um, feel like there, there was just a lot of effort into this, like, um, festival that usually wouldn't be the case for students? Uh, yeah, but that's, that's like, always the thing in anime. Like, they, they kind of always go super all out for the cultural festival. Unless it's, like, oh, we're just doing a maid cafe again kind of thing. But this school is clearly a step above maid cafes. Right. Like, it's a heightened school where, like, all the clubs it's are It's a heightened school. Heightened. It's a high school. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're all high. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the robot clubs help, helps out. They put up, like, a banner and, uh, like... Subame gets a lot of attention and everybody starts gathering around and stuff. 
Um, meanwhile, Sayaka's meeting with the HVAC club in this like dark film noir-esque hallway. Uh, it's probably one of the funniest scenes. Like They try to negotiate with her over every degree of Celsius that they're willing to give her. But that goes about how you'd expect for them because she's Sayaka and she's like, she first she asked for like 18 degrees and they're like, how about no? And she's like, all right, 16. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so basically she's going to have this auditorium be like 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like pretty fucking cold, actually. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that would actually well, be comfortable. I guess, you, I guess when you come in from like really fucking hot temperatures, like just yeah. being in that would be like, oh my God, yes, oh, yeah. for a while. Just outside fucking sweating, you're like, oh shit, we can go in here and like relax for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but it would be like so cold to come into like sixty degrees. I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's not that bad. If actually. you were that there would, for a lot a while, it would start to get cold. But right away, it would probably feel good. It probably feel that, really good. Yeah, that just makes me want to. I would feel like I would walk in and just like want to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. when it's cold. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, my uh, during the winter I keep my room at sixty degrees. Oh wow, oh, wow. that's so low. Interesting. That's and I sleep like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the deciding factor was that like Sayaka had secret photos taken of the HVAC club like enjoying their own air conditioning while like the rest of the campus was like several degrees higher. So blackmail, she would never. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> so the student council starts cracking down on people who are wearing these like cardboard robot costumes because uh, they broke the rules of like using a megaphone and like putting up aerial banners during this club festival. And so the robot club thought ahead, though, and they had, like, the marching band club wear these costumes. And, like, it seems like everybody is wearing one because they keep capturing people, but it's, like, all the wrong people. Um, and this this allows, like, Sayaka to kind of, like, direct Subame away from them over headset. Like, it's like the Matrix or something, uh, which is kind of fun. And so... This all culminates in, like, the head robot geek guy, Ono, making a whole bunch of noise. And, like, he switches robot costumes as he's, like, running away. And he, like, zip lines down this huge thing. And, like, uh, it's just, it's all a big advertisement for the anime screening. So, like, at this point, everybody fucking knows it's happening. And everybody shows up. Um, And even Tsubame's parents show up on time. Um, And apparently they say, like, her dad was the one who was trying to stop her from continuing with anime because... He thought that the mom wanted her to become an actress like them. And so he was, like, acting on that, those interests, like, trying to make, like, his wife happy, basically. Um, and so, yeah, Tsubame comes up on stage to just briefly say she's excited about the anime. And, like, she gets off stage almost immediately. They start the short. Um, and they show off the entire short, as you would expect from this show at this point. Uh, I really liked how they fit in a shot of a man throwing away his tea as an obvious nod to, like, Subame's inspiration from her grandmother when she was little. Uh, another really nice touch is, like, along the way, how su- they cut away to Subami's parents who are watching and realizing that parts of the animation remind them of their daughter, like, how somebody in the thing is holding chopsticks the wrong way, like she was earlier yeah, this episode. That was uh, really cute. I liked that. It's super mm-hmm. cute. Yeah. Uh, super endearing. Um or, like, when a guy's, like, goofily running down a hallway or the characters are eating a whole bunch of crab. They're all like, oh, it's Tsubame. And, like, they remember how she's always been a good dancer and she would imitate what she saw. And um, the way the mech moves on screen is kind of emblematic of that understanding of fluid motion. So it's just like, oh, yeah, she's taking everything in her life experience and pouring it into this project. And it's really cool to see. 
Uh, there's a really great music cue as the sound of the anime cuts out as like Subami's character realizes that, uh, or sorry, sorry, Subami's parents realize that their daughter's eye for detail is just being expressed through her art as well. Um, they're like, she's a great performer just in a different way than they imagined, basically. Um, and this like this, that's about the time when I started to tear up watching this episode. Cause it was just very emotionally moving. I felt cause like, I don't know. I think as like a creator to be accepted by your parents is something that a lot of people don't have and wish that they yeah. had. That was a really good moment. Like, yeah, you see a lot in anime and just in real life, like people just like their parents having a very harsh view of stuff like this. And it was really interesting to see them just be like, well, you didn't do what we wanted you to do, but like you did your own thing. That's cool. And like you seem to be doing a good job, you know? It was great. And the way yeah. that they kind of like creatively commiserated as they were like getting lunch after the screening. Uh, and she was like, have you ever been happy with one of your performances? And they're like, no, <laughs> we've never been satisfied. <laughs> and nope. she's like, okay, I guess I, then I feel the same thing. I understand. And um, it's like, she basically tells them like she realized when she was working on this project that like, this is what her life is going to be about. Um, creating stuff like this and there's nothing she can do about it now is the way she says it um, and she asks her parents like what did they think and they tell her like well real explosions a little bit different than that and the way the chopsticks are held is totally wrong we should have told you that <laughs> <laughs> um, but the acting was really good and Tsubame's like yeah you guys know just what to look for um and so that was very cute at the end of the episode her parents like approach the girls and they're having like a post-mortem talking about it and it's a really great moment especially for anime fans who've watched shows like naruto where <laughs> they're like are you are you subame's friends and midori's like no we're her nakama <laughs> <laughs> her co-conspirators so yeah. i'm just like okay uh, it was it was great. Uh, such the whole like this whole episode was in really fantastic. I I think I like this show the most at the end of arcs when everything comes to a culmination, uh, and you see like all their work come to fruition and stuff. And this is when the show's at its best for sure. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts too. I also just like the the planning of things, like how they, you know, we're, we're going to make this and we're going to do it this way, and like just seeing that kind of stuff is interesting. Oh yeah, it's, for sure. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, I hope we get sort of a more personal touch with like Sayaka and Midori as we go forward too, because this arc with Subame and her parents was definitely one of the most touching parts of the show for sure. Um, oh yeah, because it's just so unusual. It just makes you come away from it with such a feel-good feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool. Guess we can go on to the next one. It invaded episode eight, desertified. <laughs> Desertified. That sounds good too. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> so Kiki Asuka, who was the uh the name that was on that chair that uh Hondo Machi went into. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I had to get my shit up. Uh, so they try to dig up some information on her. They find out she basically almost never attended elementary school, middle school. Uh, later on, she ended up getting kicked out of boarding school. And at 18, she uh, survived a suicide attempt. And then even three more later on. Hmm. Uh, she was eventually kidnapped when she was 21. And she got rescued when Akihito went and uh, killed that guy that 
killed his family. And then Momoki ended up rescuing her from that. Uh, but then I guess three months later, she disappeared. So she's a big mystery. Nobody knows what's going on. And apparently like the rest of her records have all disappeared. And this was all the information that they pulled from like Momoki's own personal files. Mm-hmm. So uh, we still don't know what she really, what part she plays yet in this show. So maybe we'll find out later. Um, then they keep sending like a uh, Tomatsu into the Idwell and he's just like too dumb to figure out the timing of like the lightning strikes, which we found out the last episode. <laughs> uh, and then they finally decide to send Akihito and Tomatsu at the same time into Momuki's uh, Idwell and try to find Koharu and there's some, well, if they can find another like Idwell chair and send them through it. Uh, and what's interesting is, is this is the first time they've sent two people into a Nidwell at the same time. So they're not really sure what's going to happen. Yeah, that was yeah. interesting. That was curious because yeah. it's like, are we going to be able to accept the situation? Or are we going to, there can only be one brilliant detective, right? So yeah, what's going <laughs> to happen? That was almost your intro this episode of just saying brilliant detective. If there's another or like, <laughs> or like, or like a brilliant podcaster, which I was going to write, <laughs> but then I was like, nah, I don't want to put too much thought into this one. <laughs> been pretty funny though, because like he goes on his like rant, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're not making much sense, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> the two eventually uh, wake up inside the Idwell and find themselves in just basically a vast desert. Desert. They all. T- they also notice that they have white bands around the wrists. Like if they've been wearing, watch, been wearing watches in the sun mm-hmm. and then you get a funky tan line basically. So they're like, Oh, maybe there's a watch thief out here. And there's also like some footprints that are just leading away. And they're like, Hmm, maybe we should follow those. Uh, but weirdly, Hakihito tells Tomatsu to take off some of his clothes and pee on them, wrap them around your head to, uh, <laughs> stave off some of the heat. And you know, I, I just, I've, I feel like we've learned just a lot of really random facts this season in general. <laughs> Survival just, facts, animal facts. Like, yeah, just like every episode I swear there's something. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's this is a very learning season somehow. I'm not sure what's up with that. <laughs> uh, Tomatsu decides that he's going to follow those footprints while Akihito continues to study uh, Kairi's body for some clues. He doesn't, they don't really say if he figured out anything. Uh, Akihito eventually catches up somehow, just like quickly, not breathing hard. I don't know what that was about. And he also knows that like the sun isn't moving in the sky, so like time's not moving or something like that. Uh, eventually they do see something other than sand, and like, it's like a hawk flying around, but then like Akihito is distracted and like falls down a hill and lands in quicksand. Uh, it was interesting that they stay true to how quicksand really works, and he gets out pretty easily. Uh, if you guys didn't know that one. Mm-hmm. I think where did I learn that one from? I think I think it's in JoJo somewhere. Like the where you crawl out very slowly rather than trying yeah, to and move like, around. You can't flailing. you can't actually be completely uh, swallowed by it because of buoyancy and how it works. Oh really? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you would have to like thrash like a whole bunch, and then even like then it would be very difficult for you to go completely under. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then back in the real world, they're trying to get some information on uh, Momoki. They eventually tell him it doesn't really matter because, you know what? Shit, we got people looking into your id will. And it, his face is really interesting animated during this scene because they say into his id will. And he, like he looks confused. Like, how could I have an id will? Because I would have had to have like murdered somebody, you know, mm-hmm. or had like really 
uh, thoughts about killing. Like, yeah. that's what I got from it. He was just like, wait, that can't be possible. Was kind of the look I got from him. And then suddenly he gets like a fearful look on his face and he's like, you have to get those out. Those guys out of there fucking right now. Yeah. This is bad. This is really bad. <laughs> uh, uh, back to the other two guys. Uh, they come in the, across another quicksand pit and find the person they had been tracking basically dead in it. And they also find another Idwell chair with, uh, uh, what's her name? Kiki's uh, name on it also. And Akihito decides to go in. Uh, he also tells uh, Tomatsu to eject him after 10 minutes. And then the show finally closes with Moki saying, this is a trap. So who, who <laughs> laid the trap? You think John Walker laid the trap? Or like I was also like wondering like so if if he's laid this trap, what is it for? And so I guess it was to get Sakaido and Hondo Machi both inside a well within a well or something. I, I feel know. like we know so little at this point. I'm just like yeah. I I don't even know where to begin guessing, and I I need some more information. Do you or think clues. it's someone else's Edwell? It's not actually his Edwell. Could be. I don't know. I think it is. I think it is somebody else's. I do think Bamoki's been set up some way. Yeah. Interesting. I definitely think that's true. Um, Oh, in the very beginning of the episode, I was laughing because like Fukuda is like walking in through the lightning strike Idwell. And he's like, oh, uh, I figured this out. And he gets hit by lightning like 20 times. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) Like, I know know this. I got it. (laughs) He's like, the numbers don't matter. So it doesn't matter if I try to read into him. And then he gets struck by lightning for like, as we find out the 20th time. And it's just like, you are stupid. (laughs) I also just, I liked the banter between the two brilliant detectives, like especially Anaido or whatever. He's his like finger gun things he would do to like Sakaido were really funny. Um, and yeah, like in, in that moment when um, when they're peeing on their clothes before they put them on, as they're peeing, they cut back to the control room and just show their faces. <laughs> and I was like, I just laughed so hard at that because they're just I was like, these people must think these guys are crazy. Oh uh, yeah, that's a uh, Serena Togo, the one who they put in charge. Yeah, she you just see like this. It her face hasn't even changed. It's just like yeah. so neutral. Just, <laughs> like it just makes you wonder what's going through her head. <laughs> but yeah, yeah they're they're holding back, like you said, like a lot of the mystery of this because we just we don't know anything about John Walker really, uh, and we don't know almost anything about this like Kiki Asukai person or whatever. So who knows what what is happening in this idwell within an idwell? We'll see. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Mm, speaking of trying to make sense of things, <laughs> good luck, Kat. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so this episode of Dora Hedora was weird. Yeah. Um, you I mean say yes. the other episodes aren't weird either? <laughs> well, but the, I, a lot of this I was like, wait, what does that mean? Or, you know. Because um, I, I feel like B Comps watched every episode twice. Because I swear, every time before we get the court, he's like, "Hey, I'm watching episode six again <laughs> because I wasn't sure what happened the first time." It's like, okay, you guys are like obsessed with Dora Hedora, and I'm just like, it's all right. I, I watched it the other night. I was going to sleep, and I was just like, "Wait, what the fuck happens? What?" And now that I rewatched it, I felt like I kind of got it more. It was just, it was just really fast paced, and like there were like three separate parts that all tied in, and it was like kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, I had mm-hmm. to like go back a few times when I was trying to describe, especially the scenes later in the episode. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so at the beginning of the episode, um, the gang is all talking, and it looks like 
they maybe think Ebisu did that to Kaimon. Yeah. Because I guess power. when Ebisu went into Kaimon's head to look look at that guy, he, like it says, "You're the guy who got in my way," and that's interesting. Yeah, but that yeah. doesn't that doesn't like isn't something you'd say to the person who did it though. No, but it's somebody who was like involved, I suppose. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Um, and then Kaiman, after the mess last time, decides that he doesn't want Nikaido to be involved anymore because she's got this scar on her back from that mushroom. Oh, it and, looks so fucking gnarly, too. <laughs> oh, I know. It looks like she got attacked by a shark or something. Um, so or they he, cut a giant mushroom out of her back, you know, roots and all. <laughs> well, but that's not, I mean, in, in real life, if I saw that, I wouldn't be like, man, it looks like she had a giant mushroom growing out of her and someone cut it out. I'd be like, oh, man, it looks like a shark attacked her. <laughs> you know what? Now that you said that, not anymore. You're going to think of both. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. You're like, oh, it looks like a shark attack. But maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so he decides he can't like put her at risk anymore. So he leaves by himself to go to the sorcerer world to continue like the search, you know? Yeah. Um, so he, he starts looking for the person who did this to him on his own, um, for these cross-eyed dudes, a guy that he meets there says that he hasn't seen any around, but they may come back for the blue night, which will be soon. Mm -hmm. And that's apparently a festival where you pick your partner. Um, and do we yeah, know a, a lot about these partners? I kind of forget. It just sounds like sorcerers all partner up. But like, is it romantic or is it just business? No, it's just business partner. Business, yeah. yeah. Okay, because like sometimes they say partner and it sounds romantic. Mm -hmm. But there also may be something more to it because of the people after Noi and Shin. Yeah. Which they haven't said yet. So that's true. We'll have okay. to wait for that. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so apparently these partners are really important and people really need to get them. So they have this whole weekend thing for people to, for sorcerers to come and like find their partner. Um, and that's going to be happening soon. Um, so Kaiman admits to this other sorcerer that he meets that he doesn't have a job and gets offered one at the restaurant. And I guess the guy who owns this restaurant is Tanba and there's like another waiter that works there too. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, then like there's this like scene of this, I forget how we know this blonde eyed cross dude. He hasn't been around that much. Yeah. He's um well, he was the guy in like the last arc who has the cross eyes and who like I was saying, like I thought was like at least involved with Kaimon's death basically, or like not death, but like turning into a lizard and everything. Um, and who was part of like the same group as Kaimon and everything, who was like on the run and then got captured by N and all that shit. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, he, anyway, he goes home and his Amirais is all moldy. So he knows he's been gone a long time. And then he remembers or realizes that he was killed after being offered a job by Tanube. And uh, Risu is told to be careful because the cross-eyed can't be trusted, but, like, he's a cross-eyed. So that's a fucked-up thing to say to someone. Be careful. <laughs> the cross Like, you, <laughs> your kind can't be trusted. Be careful. Maybe um, he only, like, recently joined that group or something. I don't know. Like, and like so he hadn't been in it for very long. Yet. Yeah, yeah, his friend I is guess, trying to maybe. say, like, don't don't hang out with these guys. It's going to end badly for you, which it does. So Yeah, as soon as he gets killed. So, yeah, maybe. 
Um, and meanwhile, the N family gang all gets fitted for this Blue Knight event. So they're going to, and it like we find out that N especially is looking for a partner who can control time. So you're like, dun, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And like the the costumes they all pick are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like ABC gets like the big uh, fake boobs and the fur. Yeah. And she's like, no, wait, look, mine are bigger. Yeah, I <laughs> so know. Even in an anime like this, we get a breast size measurement scene somehow. Like, how does this how does this anime oh, have know. that? How I the know. Fuck? Come on. It's so ridiculous they, that trope Japan fits in here. I can't help but fall into the traditions. It's like, no, no, I can't it can be like a really weird anime, but it needs to have these traditional yeah, but elements. I, I feel a little bit like Dory Dora was poking fun I at that trope that, a little actually, bit because it yeah. is yeah it is so well i mean goofy. yeah but but it still like adheres to it i'm, I'm just waiting for the hot spring episode <laughs> <laughs> so um i don't know like noi gets dressed up like almost stripper-esque and keeps <laughs> tripping over the heels that she wears um and i guess sorcerers have to actually pass a test to get into this event because you see well, out front people like into being tested. ends event, yeah. I think their their magic has to be so powerful up to a scale or something like that. Huh. Okay, yeah. Um, so the server and the owner of that restaurant that Kaimon gets hired by decide that they're going to Blue Knight as well. But Kaimon gets told to stay behind and watch the shop. And of course, immediately after they leave, he's like, "Well, I'm going to go check that out," and ditches the shop. So <laughs> that didn't turn out well. Um, and back at the actual event it, with the end gang, everyone gets a lot of partner applications, whatever that's going to end up being, except Ebisu. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's like this scene between Noi and Shin where I guess they're like, this is bad. We may end up switching partners. And it, they like look yeah. all ominously at each other. Because they're and like, I'm some like, guy is still alive. And I'm like, who are you talking about? Yeah, they're yeah. like, it looks like that bastard is still alive. And I'm just like, but they're not telling us who it is or what's going on. Mm-hmm. No, or um, even the significance of being partners yet. That's still yes. kind of a mystery. Yes, it's a, it's odd. Um, but yeah, and then Kaimon goes and he like dresses up as one of the workers and is in disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find out at the opening ceremony for the end gang's private party that I guess people can be like forced to be partners with someone else. Um, yeah, so there must be some advantage to being somebody's partner. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and apparently they have to take that person to that house, which they don't really tell you much about that. And <laughs> it's sign- just like this random house that floats in the sky. Yeah. There's and, a devil inside. And sign the contract provided by the devils. And I'm just like... Okay, and and it even says like using any means necessary, and that's interesting. <laughs> uh, and then N is like, "I'll kill anyone who tries to get Kikurage." And I'm just <laughs> like, "Okay." So, so this is very bizarre. This is <laughs> interesting and bizarre. Um, and I guess Noi like goes to the bathroom at this point, and it's not supposed to start until midnight, but whoever the guy is that they're worried about attacks her in the bathroom before midnight. <laughs> um, and he's mm-hmm. like, got no hand. And that's the end of the episode. This, so that'll be interesting to see what happens next. You, uh, so you skipped over the part where the show confirms Nikaido's magic is controlling time. Well, I think we, didn't we already kind of Wait, know that did? though? 
I didn't know that. <laughs> I missed this part. <laughs> but didn't we like have heavy hints that that's what it was? There was kind of hinting, and then the show, I can't remember exactly what it did, but then it makes you kind of figure it out, and then it tells you like literally 15 seconds later. Hmm. Because, uh, oh yeah, it ends with uh, Shin Inoue, one of his minions comes running up, and he's like, we figured out the m- kind of magic uh, that... Uh, Whoever killed that uh, guy from the shop you bought was. Oh. And he's like, it was time magic. Oh, and we're like, Shit, you're right. That like was early Nikaido. in the episode. That's what that yeah. was about. I got it now. I didn't put that together. I was like, who the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I yeah. guess Inn is really looking for uh, her magic. That'll be interesting. Yeah. And which makes sense from earlier on when that devil told Nikaido, why don't you just use your magic? You could fix all this. <laughs> right okay that makes sense okay that yeah. all makes much more sense now yeah that's what i'm saying like this episode was like really subtle about a lot of things it was saying so it's like it took me like a couple viewings and i still didn't get like all of the stuff out of it it was like very dense packed episode full of information so yeah cool i love this show <laughs> so much yeah, it's still really such cool. a fun watch <laughs> it's interesting for sure yeah, i'm curious to see how it's gonna end up here um uh once nikaido figures out i is she gonna go after kaimon again you think i i think she will but like and try and get him to stop like trying to stay away from her because they're friends kind of thing i don't know yeah uh yeah th- nah, they'll get back together i yeah. don't know i hope so mm-hmm. yeah we'll we'll see <laughs> okay all right uh, break let's time take, let's take a break break yeah we'll be back after these messages from viewers <laughs> like you Yeah, we'll be right back. (laughs) Woo! Hi, I'm JD, your host of the Red Leaf Retrocast, your best location to learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. Our podcast has four shows for you to listen to between retro gaming, modern gaming, anime, and even wrestling. The Retro Gaming Cast covers discussion topics, and each episode we discuss retro games picked based on a decided theme for that episode, ranging from space all the way to console specials like the old handheld Game Boy. Our Modern Gaming Cast is monthly and covers video game titles that were released in that previous month. Each anime cast, we focus to review a retro anime each and every episode, like the original Mobile Suit Gundam to the racing hit Initial D. But that's not all. We also keep up with the seasonal shows by occasionally doing impressions and reviews as well. Finally, our last show is about wrestling, where we keep the rising indie scene up to date while also covering shows from the bigger promotions like Ring of Honor, New Japan, and WWE, so we cover it all. We also cover a retired wrestler every episode in what we call the Wrestler Spotlight and are currently on a quest covering old WCW Thunder episodes from the late 90s. Every cast. So if any one of those casts sound like something you'd like to check out, that's the Red Leaf Retrocast Gaming, Anime, and Wrestling found at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting sites. Also, you can learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. We can't wait to see you soon. Hey, dude, you into anime, manga, and all that radical stuff? Oh, yeah, man. It's tubular. Then you should totally check out the... 
This transmission has been hacked. If you want discussions, debate, reviews, and all in between, you must listen to the Anime Radicals Network at www.animeradicals.com. There's timely reviews, revolutions, mecha, and much more. Find it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all podcast catchers. The Anime Radicals Network. The revolution will be simulcast. And we're back. We're all still alive from the virus going around. <laughs> yeah, it didn't kill us in the break. <laughs> it, it didn't nice. kill it us in out. the 10 minutes, you know. I don't think it was 10. I think it made a five-minute break. <laughs> uh, so, on to Seton Academy. Join the pack. Episode 8, The Beach Bard. <laughs> I like that. Uh, uh, the school goes to their branch school, which is by the sea, and it's populated by like a bunch of sea creatures. As you would imagine, it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Uh, they end up getting greeted by a beluga whale who says they will perform a little show for them, but... Even I wasn't really sure what they're doing. They were like blowing bubble rings or echo bubble things. I don't <laughs> know yeah. what her performance exactly was. <laughs> Nobody it was, like was impressed. It was like blowfish kisses or something. And then like a couple dances. And then she just left. Yeah. That was weird. Well, she runs off because she gets booed. And then Jen's like, you know what? I can get rid of Ronka because I know Ronka's going to want to cheer her up. Yeah. <laughs> and then I can use time. time. With yeah, get, get closer to Tomy. Woo. Uh, but then, of course, Ronka goes for hook, line, and sinker. Uh, but May May goes with her. And she's going to teach the beluga whale how to put on a show. Uh, Mamie does, and you know, because she's an idol and all, she's like, this is all you have to do. And she does like panda things, like lay on top of a tire and like sit and odd poses <laughs> it's just like okay that was funny. fucking fucking pandas it's funny like oh yeah pandas can just fucking like lay around on a tiger and we're all like oh amazing and then like dolphins and shit put on like actually choreographed like shows and we're like i guess that's okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so of course maymay's advice is completely useless uh but it turns out that kano just really wants to join the synchronized dolphin auto group but they won't let her and this is when their leader, Ruka, shows up and she scold, uh, scolds Kana and says, A beluga whale can't keep up with bottlenose dolphins. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then eventually Jin kind of has to show up to help because like the rest of the girls got curious and wanted to know how it was going down. And he's like, fuck it, fine. I'll go with him. Uh, and he's like, looks at Kana and he's like, use your own talents rather than just splashing around. And he's like, you know, belugas have a nickname and it's called the Canaries of the Sea. <laughs> because they have like the biggest vocal range of like all like the whales and dolphins, and she should actually sing. <laughs> and Ronka also tacks on; uh, they should do their own synchronized swimming to kind of sing, uh, singing, much to uh, Jin's dismay. But uh, uh, kind of does give us her, her demonstration of her singing, and Cat uh, here is going to give the uh, demonstration. <sighs> <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, that was a dead odds. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh it's pretty bad. Yeah, but, well, but uh, that's because she's just singing with her mouth. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently, yeah, we're gonna get to how they actually sing in a minute. But it turns out uh Jen is getting groomed with a giraffe male couple that are kinda breaking up. <laughs> and no, so, isn't it like it's the research? The research, the weird okay. research I have to do for this show sometimes. No, for no, this no. Podcast. I did this research too, and also they weren't just <laughs> breaking up. One of them was like, "But w- won't you come sleep with me tonight?" And the other one's like, "I only sleep with the same men once." <laughs> and he's like, "What?" He's like, "No." 
It's very dramatic. Um, okay, so yeah, so obviously I'm like, great. Now I gotta look into giraffe, giraffes, giraffes and if, if they are gay. or not gay. Yes, basically. So the show says ninety percent of population is between two male giraffes. I could not find that same I statistic. I looked this up and I did. Okay, so I found out that only 10... I did find a statistic that only 10% of sex with giraffes is same sex. So that's kind of the same thing. Well, that's the same stat then. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's the same stat, yes. So it's just, okay. it's just reversed, uh, yeah. But what I did find out is that, yes, it is very common for two male giraffes to copulate because they're when they do this, they're usually teenagers. And the older males are... Uh, basically hoarding all the females for themselves. <laughs> so they do this basically the practice is well, what's speculated. But but also they've found a lot of instances where there'll be perfectly good females around and they still fuck each other. So <laughs> mm. um, they, they're really not sure why. Like there's some theories and one of them is that, but like... Yeah, that was kind of what I g- came across too, was just like, they, it, they're like, it's happening, but we're not 100% sure. Why? Or I mean, they what? could What's just the be gay. I mean, yeah, maybe like they, they just prefer it. <laughs> they didn't consider know. the theory that the ass was fat. Like, that might just be all it was, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe fair. they're just prettier. A lot of the males of any species are prettier than the females. Hmm. I don't know. Um, I mean, like, don't bonobos do that a lot, too? I don't think there's... A, I mean, other than just social benefits... I know there's the term between like monkeys and chimpanzees where they sword fight. Uh, no, bonobos so that have like happen. orgies to resolve conflict. Apparently, they're just like, well, we're, we're mad at each other, so we're all gonna have sex. And there's a lot of gay sex that happens in bonobos. <laughs> interesting. Hmm. We need like a sound drop to drop every time we learn some interesting fact. <laughs> like the more you know, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> but knowledge is power. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, no wonder giraffes are like going. You know, they're endangered or whatever. They don't. You know, they don't have productive sex enough. Ninety percent of it is gay sex. <laughs> yeah, it's a little true. So, Jen is escaping from that whole male giraffe uh, drama into the hallway and he runs into Ruka who's acting totally different and she's like because before she was all hoity and like you know I'm better than you and then now she's just like begging and she's like I don't know feeble or something like that and she's begging Jin not to let Kana continue uh, the reason is because it turns out dolphins and whales and some other species can literally put half of their brain asleep while the other half stays awake Yeah, it's called uni hemispheric slow wave sleep uh it's interesting because when they do this the side of the brain that's asleep the corresponding eye will also close uh and it's funny because if you watch when they switch back and forth the way her hair parts it goes over one of her eyes and it switches oh i didn't uh, realize that that's a cool detail actually yeah I, i like i suddenly thought did it do that and i had to go back and look and it did it was really cool uh, but really, it makes me literally think of that phrase, uh, sleeping with one eye open. Gripping your pillow tight. <laughs> Exit <Exilite. laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, 
I'm not gonna do the whole thing. <laughs> That's my best. Oh, it's one verse. Come on. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, the New York Yankees, though, because uh, when our closer Mariano Rivera used to come in from the bullpen, the at a certain point earlier in his career, they started playing Enter Sandman when he would come in as like his pump up song. Like he didn't choose it; they chose it for him. But it stuck for like his entire like glorious career. No um, man. And so I've sung nice. that song so many fucking times. Like, even when I was at home, like, and he would come in, like, my dad and I would start singing that song. Uh, I love that song. <laughs> yeah, so it's a good song. The The gist of what Ruka is saying is that two different species can't sing and dance in synchronization. synchronization and she wants Jin to stop giving her false hope because it would just end up breaking her heart in the end. And afterwards, uh, Jin tells Kana to just, he does, does just that. He tells her to give up. But he also tells her that belugas sing from their head, not their throat. Apparently they have a chamber in their heads called literally called a melon, and that's where the sound comes from. Uh so just to wrap things up, the final day is here, and of course kind of shows goes off very well. Uh Ruka is also very affected by her song, and her and like the other half of her brain like is like, I wanna swim, the kind of singing. Eventually her and all the other dolphins join in and they do a big old performance and you know, that's that. Oh, and then at the very end, after the credits, uh, that horny male giraffe is after Jin. <laughs> yeah. <God. laughs> nice. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, no, it's like, it, isn't it the sister come up and be like, my brother's usually a total top, but like, he's interested in you and he would do anything to be with you. He would be a bottom if he'd be with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, I'm here to be romantic with you. And he's like, no, and like runs away. <laughs> yeah it's pretty amazing it's pretty epic there's a couple like little things i noticed like one thing that's really funny to well weird to me was that like they do they could take a break in this episode and they just go eat like they go fishing and make sushi at the fucking like fish school i'm like what are you doing <laughs> this is horrible uh like at least in You're- d stars they were like oh the carnivores are vegetarian at school because like it would be disrespectful but <laughs> They just make sushi on this field trip. I was like, oh, God. Well, um, you know, they're, they're just being, like, you know, realistic about survival of the fittest and all that. <laughs> also, Teaching. speaking of for survival of the fittest, what purpose does the little fucking fin that is on the back of, like, the dolphin girl serve? <laughs> I think it's like, supposed to be fetishy. I think it's supposed to just be like, look how cute they are. Ooh, they're exactly. Tan. Cats, cats on top yeah. of it, yes. That's exactly all it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last thing was that uh, Miyubi, they, like, kind of wheel her around in, like, a little carrier. But, like, remember when Maymay was joining the club? Didn't she, like, buy her a Segway to, like, drive around on? Couldn't she just <laughs> yes. use that? Like, where did that thing go? Maybe she just left it back at the other school. <laughs> I guess so. But you would think this would be a perfect time to take it. I don't know. So that was just uh, weird things I noticed. It, it was interesting that she was able to keep up with this uh, synchronized swimming, too. Because she should have been dead at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and wait, doesn't she die at one point? And like, they're like, oh, shit. They're like, oh, nah, she does that. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we can move on. Yay, Bofuri's next. Uh, episode 8, Defense, and third event. This is my second favorite show of the season, I think. <laughs> Yes, it's really uh, fun. I love this episode, by the way. Holy shit. Oh, my God. I can't wait till we get to the end. <laughs> yeah. 
So there is a new event where they all go out to kill cows and collect their bells. <laughs> and Becom, you think this is a, maybe a Diablo reference? Oh, the, like the secret cow code? Like maybe. I don't know. It might be a Diablo reference, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or secret cow level, I guess. It was supposed yeah, to exist. Level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't yeah. actually exist. <laughs> But it does. (laughs) Well, they made it in like a later game, but yeah. Yeah. So this is not the greatest event for Maple since the cows have like a lot of agility and she, you know, just can't catch them. And also like there's all these other participants who are just like snatching up all the cows around her and she's just like not standing a chance getting them. So she's like, all right, I'll go to this uh, secluded mountain over here. And, uh, you know, she has better luck because there's not a bunch of people over there. Uh, But she eventually... Uh, slips and falls down the mountain and she accidentally uses up all her devourers by when falling down the mountain so yeah 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 that was that visual was just really funny she's like beep, 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 <laughs> like sucking up whatever she's landing on the entire time down yeah yeah and then just her luck is insane <laughs> that she finds this coin in a tree that like it's like a Isn't gear. Relevant. It's like a metal gear. Metal it's like gear. a gear coin. It's really weird, which is not relevant until like later on. Like yeah. I'll, I'll get to why that's frustrating to me. <laughs> it's uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. She ends up wandering to uh, that church from a previous quest and decides to explore it. She eventually comes across a demon monster and has to fight it. Uh, she blocks. She blocks its attacks and gets like chain wrapped around her, and she uses like her wool ability. To be like invulnerable, which her, is pretty funny. The way they like change her character design, so she has like a little wool hat and like little sheep horns, and then her face, her eyes are just like very simplistic chibi eyes. It's so fucking funny. Like when she's in the wool ball form, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, she makes syrup super size, and they use his new skill, Mother Nature, to like hold the demon in place. Like a bunch of roots come and grab him, and then Syrup uses Spirit Cannon to destroy the demon's armor. And his voice <laughs> is so funny. He's like me when he fires the Spirit <laughs> Cannon. It's just such a funny sound effect. Yeah. So when they destroy the uh, demon's armor, it transforms into his next form, uh, which is basically hands erupting from its chest. And it grabs Maple and shoves her inside. So she's like, all right, I'll do the only thing I know how to do. I'll eat my way in from the inside out. <laughs> and oh, no. <laughs> she wins. And she gets three new skills from de- eating the demon. Uh, seeping Chaos that she applies to her armor. A skill called Predator and another skill called Atrocity. <laughs> Very well named. <laughs> These are like yeah. super powerful too, especially Atrocity. I'm just like, oh my God, calm down. <laughs> yeah, she is such a broken character. It's it's insane. She's only going to get uh, more broken as the episode goes on. God, I know we're not even done. Uh, <laughs> it briefly shows the Red Fire Guild, the Red Fire Guild, uh, it's just like shown killing hordes of cows in like one go. And then there's like a scene of the admins and they're like uh, so happy with the success of this event. And they jinx themselves when they say, surely Maple can't possibly defy logic again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know better. And then level three has also been open now. This was like and a nice change of scenery, like with the steampunky world. I, I liked that. Yeah. Uh, so the guild gets a reward from the event and it's like a trophy that gains everybody three percent more strength which is kind of crazy when you think about uh the other two girls what are their names oh yeah the the mallet girls oh may yeah. and uh what is her name yui yeah 
Yeah, like they have so many extra stats on their strength at this point. Just like three percent's not doesn't sound a lot, but once it's stacked up with everything else, it's like Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. <sighs> so they all decide to go to level three, and the boss they have to defeat to do it is a giant tree guy, and Maple gets to show off her new moves. First, it's Predator that summons a demon thing, and then Seeping <laughs> Chaos that has the like. Uh, demon like attack the tree and it's just like it's so one-sided it's not even funny <laughs> it's crazy and then and then it's already so one-sided and finally she activates atrocity that turns maple into a giant unstoppable demon <laughs> that just murders this tree guy and everybody is like at first they're just like you know we're not surprised this is a pretty normal maple just being so op like this uh-huh. and then they she does the atrocity one and they're just stunned and they're like she's not even human anymore like sally what goes up f- to her and is like what was that <laughs> yeah just just like they can't even like they're like we were expecting you to be crazy and op like this but like even you are just going too far at this point. <laughs> what the fuck ability? Where are you getting these abilities? And like that's where I expected this episode to like kind of like end and like oh end. we'll explore a little bit. Like yeah, she got no. like a really cool ability. Peacock. That's good for we're this episode. We're not fucking done yet. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like when I was group watching this episode, I watched it with a couple different people because I like wanted to show them this episode specifically to like like goddamn and like I was like at that part of the episode everybody's like already laughing their asses off and like oh my god the show is so ridiculous and I was like but wait <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's more, more. <laughs> so they go to level three and they decide to split up and explore the city maple of course by pure luck finds an old man and gets some lore from him and at the center of the uh, center of the city, there's a spire, and in the city lives the machine god. But one day, as the old man was out of town, the place was suddenly surrounded by light. So he quickly returned and found that the first generation of machines had completely disappeared. But there was a whole new second generation of machines in their place everywhere. Dun dun dun. So Maple's like, "Oh, that's a cool piece of lore. I don't know what that's about. It might be a quest." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so Maple wanders off. And she's like flying around with syrup and she accidentally like falls off because they go like through some fog or something like this. And she and she can only use this atrocity ability once once a day. And she actually uses it to break her fall. So we know she can't use it again. And she finds herself in a place called the Graveyard of Dreams. (laughs) Uh, Of course, she stumbles across a broken down lab and there's like a mean machine golem in the middle. Uh, and then suddenly that random gear token that she found like fucking three days ago <laughs> picks up and it like flies into the golem and it comes alive. And then it like starts saying some stuff about like, I am the mach- original machine God. <laughs> and then it eventually changes from like blue. Uh, it changes colors from like red to blue and attacks maple. Uh, and then, you know, she's fighting it. She eventually does enough damage to it and it goes back to its previous form and it gives her the gear token back. But then the golem suddenly goes all evil again. And then when she got that uh, toke, th- that gear token, she got a, a new skill called Machine God. Machine God. <laughs> which basically gets... She gets her own mech battle suit. Becomes gods. Fucking fights this thing and defeats it. And then even Maple in the end is like, what the fuck 
is going on? Dude, the, the nice. fucking transformation into the mech was so cool also. That was the other yeah. thing that like really put it over the top. Like it's such a great design when she's in the mech and like also her like fucking tactical visor that like it covers both eyes when she's fighting, but when it's done fighting, it retracts so it's only covering her right eye, which is just so fucking cool. And I was yeah. just like Oh, this is the best show. I love this it, show so much. She finds all this stuff so random. And, like, <laughs> it would be so frustrating in a real game to never know about any of this stuff. You would literally just have to have the dumb luck to find this stuff out. Yeah, because, like, she went and so talked to an NPC, but, like, he, d- he just gave her an idea that there was something to look for, maybe. Yeah. And didn't tell her, like, oh, you have to, like, go to this place with fog and, like, which looks like it unlocked some area that she could get to, and she just happened to have that fucking coin that she <laughs> randomly found days before. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's know. really hilarious. It's almost like a curse, like in reverse. Like, mm-hmm. Not even a blessing. It's just creepy. It's just, it's just a weird thing. <laughs> it's like the game is like trying to make her OP so it can beat the game or something. It makes me think of the. Uh, the, the slime from uh, a couple seasons ago, but like they went even farther with this show with Maple. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they made that guy OP. They they went OP plus with Maple. <laughs> yeah, like he swallows a dragon, and so he has like some of the dragon's powers and everything. But like she just like can become like this lizard demon, and then also has a ridiculous mech suit and. It, like only the slime was op maple is a uh, world breaking <laughs> op yes just like fuck uh, it's gonna be weird for her when she starts c- coming back into real life and <laughs> having to deal <laughs> with not being able to be a predator monster at will you know i don't think she thinks about it too much though so she's she doesn't just like think whatever. about many things like, yeah she, yes <laughs> that is a good way to describe her becoming <laughs> Oh man, that was that episode was great. I I must have rewatched that four times by now with different like people and on my own. It's just so much fun. It's weird. Oh, I'm because... sure just sitting there listening to people react was probably oh yeah, it was entertaining yeah. enough. Yes. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> it's weird because at the beginning of a season, if you said Buffery or Satan At- Academy, which one is like more mindless? Yeah, <laughs> and has less substance. I'd be like Satan Academy, and now I'm like Bofuri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, Bofuri. <Bofurry>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a good point. That's don't totally true. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. High Q. Okay, so they're still doing their practice match, and um, they talk about how even if they can't stop an attack from Date Tech, they're they can at least limit its range. And then the floor defense can usually get it. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, or the, yeah. And so they're in the four sets. So they're almost done with this game. Um, and Hinata like makes a comment that he has to get lost in the crowd. And I'm like, you're, you're not. I mean, you're on a team. They can still see you. It's, <laughs> I, I get what he's saying, but it's like there's no, there's no getting. Yeah. So yeah, getting hidden in that same tempo so he doesn't stand out so much. Basically, yeah. yeah. Like, um, and they talk about this thing called the minus tempo attack. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's just distracting the other team and then having like Hinata jump in and attack unexpectedly to catch the other team off guard. Um, yeah, like so tempo is like an interesting thing in volleyball. Like you have like first tempo and second tempo and zero tempo is basically what they're 
what they call their minus tempo, basically, mm-hmm. where it's where the spiker is already in the air as the setter is like uh, setting the ball to them. So that's like a zero tempo attack, whereas like I think first tempo, like the set and the jump would be sort of at the same time or something. And then like oh, second okay. tempo would be like a delayed jump or something. I don't know. It's like it's to throw the other the defense off by switching up the tempo and stuff like that. That's interesting, but I could see that. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more to volleyball than I ever thought <laughs> before I started yeah. watching this. People have like really thought about all these like strategies to to score points because yeah, at a certain point, if you know what the other team's going to try to do uh, and when they're going to do it, like it's pretty easy to stop actually a lot of the time. So yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So they have Hinata do like like this really fast, quick right after having him blend in and distracting the the defense on the other team. And now that Hinata has scored, and this is like a big deal because everyone's excited, um, they will focus on, like, the defense starts to focus on him more and makes it easier for other team members on their team to score. So they're, they're like, kind of using distractions in a good way here. You know, they're like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Mm-hmm. So, and then once they got their foot in the door with this first point, like, it almost psychologically ends up being really good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just sort of turn the tide, which is it's interesting and fun to watch. Um, you kind of they hit a like a little bit of a bump in the road because it, Suki almost runs out of stamina. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he's just like, "I'm not like you." <laughs> he's so grouchy. Yeah. Um, and then at this point, Kagiyama almost encourages Suki, like almost. <laughs> Or and I think I, it was Tanaka that he encouraged, and yeah, he got oh, that like yeah. video game screen, like yeah, Kageyama yeah, learned, encouragement. learned encouragement. I'm just like, yeah. yep. <laughs> I liked that a lot. That was good. I, I also liked. I think it was like just before that when um, I think uh, Hinata was doing that distraction play. He was distracting his blocker so mm-hmm. Asahi could get open, and then Kageyama's like thinking to himself, right? And he's like, "That was amazing. It must have been instinct." And I said it to Asahi anyway, so it's my point. Like, even in his oh, own know. inner monologue, he's like, he's like in bitching. the end, it's all my points. And I'm like, <laughs> chill, dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's so freaking, you know, he's always mm-hmm. that way. Um, and anyway, Karasuno ends up winning the practice match 25 to 21, um, which is like great for them. And they're very excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the the game a bunch of students come up to kakiyama from the other team and they're like hey what do you do to strengthen your fingers like mine get beat up all the time and he talks about how he strengthens his fingers with finger push-ups instead of taping them and i was just like oh fuck like that's mm-hmm. he's like it's not enough to tape them it, it interferes with my <laughs> abilities he, yeah he also <laughs> says he doesn't like it because it feels like a. It doesn't feel right when he connects with the volleyball. He has a tape on his fingers, and when I when I rock climb, I I, I totally get that because like you'll tear off like a, a callus or something, and you gotta tape it up to keep climbing. Uh, but then like the it just doesn't your grip just does not feel the same. It's it's weird, it's off putting. It distracts you. Uh, just stuff like that. A uh, weird side note, Leo. Do you know if you've ever seen Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier? <laughs> I know this is a weird sign up, but like it starts off uh, and Kirk and Spock and them are like all on like uh, shore leave basically on a planet. Uh, But Kirk's idea of shore leave is to go rock climbing. And he's (laughs) he's climbing this like insane like rock face. 
Okay, um, I've never seen this. I would I would remember it. Yeah, you would you would really like this scene. And he's like going up there, and uh, and then he's like all alone. He's like enjoying the view. Uh, and then Spock flies up with these like rocket boots to like hover next to him. He's like, "Hello, Captain. Uh, I don't think you understand how dire your situation is right now." And Kirk's like, "What do you mean? I'm just climbing this rock because it's here." And like he slips and falls, and like he has to like save him from dying, basically. <laughs> but yeah, it was it's a really cool uh, rock climbing scene. Uh, I've, I rewatched that movie recently, so I was like, "Huh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention this. Leo might like this." <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, but anyway, they practice after the match. Someone asks why Nishinoya does overhand passes at all, since it's so much easier for him to do underhand. And mm-hmm. I, he's like, well, but I have to be good enough to do both. Like, da 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 And it's interesting. Um, I, I don't really feel like in real life they would be practicing after they practice match. <laughs> yeah, you know? in real life, you would probably call it a day. Like, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. You don't want to push people yeah. so far. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then when Hinata gets home, he does lonely pass- passing drills at home. Like he doesn't fucking ever rest. That that is a pet peeve of mine with a lot of sports anime. Is they'll have the main character over practice, and then it'll mm. be like, and they have no consequences for over practicing. And in fact, it was good for them. Oh my god, you're giving me flashbacks of Run with the Wind. I know. Yeah, it's and, like but that. a lot it, of yeah. a lot of sports anime do it, not just Run with the Wind. And you're just like, but in real life, you would fuck up something in your shoulder or some whatever, and then yeah, you, would you would be you would done. Uh, you would stress a muscle way too much or something. Yeah, like yeah. you'd do something and fuck something up and then you'd be out. So, it, it's always yeah. interesting. It, yeah, I guess anime does a really bad job about uh pushing how important recovery is as actually exercising the muscles yeah Mm -hmm. like they go hand in hand 50 50 like you have to have the recovery if you don't have the recovery you're not doing yourself any good you're just wasting your time i think dumbbell did an okay job at like explaining that a little bit at least but yeah it tried eh, a little bit but they didn't focus on it yeah yeah, I think it, it depends on what you're going for, though. Like, if you're just doing cardio, then maybe it's fine to go every day. But, like, if you're actually trying to build muscle, that's different. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but anyway, so he does lonely, lonely passing drills at home, and his sister really likes this and wants to help. And I, I could definitely see how, like, he gets his fast speed, at, like, with passing and stuff mm-hmm. after the, these drills all the time because they're they're interesting for Dude, sure. I would have been so I would be impressed with myself if I could even like do like just like one loop that he does. <laughs> yeah, but he just does it repeatedly, and I'm just like, fuck, that's crazy. Oh, I know. Oh, He's just like, I've done this so much; it's so easy for me now. It's like burpees and passing and sit ups, a volleyball, yeah. all oh, at the yeah. same fucking time. It's insane. He's working. <laughs> He's working hard. It's cool how his sisters like. Oh man, you're like really good friends with the ball now, and then they like they zoom in on the ball, and it's like all battered and like destroyed. <laughs> like it's been practiced with so much that it's just almost not even a ball anymore. <laughs> More like he he beat it up until it was like gave in in submission or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also I really liked the brief moment when the Date senior guys who were like standing up in the rafters or whatever. They're leaving and they talk with the Karasuno third years and 
they're both they're like really intimidated by like both of them are intimidated because like as the as they're leaving the Karasno guys are like man I wouldn't want to meet them in a dark alley <laughs> like and then the Date Tech guys are like maybe I should grow some facial hair like those guys <laughs> it's very cute that they're they're both still competing even after the fact after it's been over so. yeah that is true <laughs> okay so. Now the best part of every episode. Interspecies reviewers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, So fun. So in this episode, the first part is dedicated to this. It's almost a fetish brothel that they go to. It's almost like they interviewed Cat and then their conclusion (laughs) was Cat wants to torture people sexually. Does, do you think they would interview Kat and she'd be like, yes, I want to do rape roleplay with people in clan costumes? That's what Kat would want? I, I think, don't think that's t- what they would. their conclusion would be. They'd like gather all their evidence and put it together and are like, we think this is actually what she means. <laughs> I don't know. I think the second part fits back. But like, this part is interesting in a, in a way. I don't know. It's, it's almost like, well, but this are, actually does happen. People have these kind of weird roleplay things. <laughs> Like, um, so that's interesting. Cat would know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the you see all of them, and they are in these hooded outfits. And t- does anyone else think that they look like the Ku Klux Klan? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I was oh, like, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. fuck is this choice? And then I was like, oh, it's in Japan. They probably don't like have a reference for. That. I guess I think I mean I've seen those types of outfits in other anime as well like for like weird some kind of priest uh, outfit so I think that's what they're going for but it also is just like for us like we can't not see it you know yeah I I assume for them they're like it looks like a Shinto priest outfit and we're like it looks like the Ku Klux Klan (laughs) yeah exactly so uh, unfortunate there Um, but yeah they're they're basically all in these hooded things and they are pretending that they're going to rape these girls, but they're actually just actors in this brothel. And the whole brothel is just like rape and torture fantasies and like power plays and stuff like that. Um, this brothel is not for me. I would not give this a high score. <laughs> oh, yeah, come I'm, on, I'm with, Branch nope. I'm with Krim bit. the whole time. I'm like, I'm just uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm like with Krim. Where I would exactly have the same thing where like, I would be, they would be like, no, please don't attack me. And I'd be like, are you okay? Are you okay? And they're like... <laughs> And they're like, no, like, come no, on, it's actually, an act. please. Come on. <laughs> like, get, get along with it. Like, I'd be like, no, oh I can't gosh. do this. <laughs> Concho could not stop lecturing them. He's like, no, act better, do better. And I'm just like, calm down. <laughs> like, you're not making a porno. You're not filming this. It was the worst part was when the cowgirl just started like mooing. Like, he's like, yeah, moo, like that. <laughs> I was just like, oh, God, this poor girl with like this fake candle wax on her butt and just mooing. It's like, what am I watching right now? What the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I guess it's, it's sort That's of set bad. up like you pick in these like jail things where they have all the girls Mm-hmm. And then you pick which one you want, and then you take the girl you pick back for fantasy play. And if you try to touch them too much in the open jail part, then like that's not allowed. Um, yeah, it's like a it's like the warm up, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get a feel for which one you like the most, and then you're like, "Ooh, I like this one." And then you take <laughs> them to the room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the the <laughs> Krim still loves hyena girls so fucking much. He picks like another one, and I'm just. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, you've picked your type, haven't you? 
Yeah. Well, Krim has both male and female parts, so I he kind of yeah. is, is picking himself at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, I would like my counterpart on the other side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just interesting that he's definitely gotten his own preferences now. Um, and that's like the end of the second, the first part. I, I don't know. I wasn't too into that. I was like, eh, I mean, it's all right, but like, it's not super, super fun, you know? Mm-hmm. It was entertaining. I think they all kind of were like, eh, average about it. Actually, both of these experiences, they had an average score for. I think um, most of them just felt like it was kind of fake for the this this first part. Yeah. Like they enjoyed it, but it was a little bit fake, you know? Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Um, for the second part, <laughs> they finally go to that succubus tower that they got recommended in like the second episode. <laughs> like finally, after all this time, I'm sure that the guy was like, "Oh my god, you went to this really shitty place full of succubuses and and like interviewed that, but you haven't done the one I sent you to that was nice, you know." <laughs> so we kind of get to see the other end of the spectrum on succubus stuff because we we already saw the lower end mm-hmm. and the, just seeing them get killed. Um, <laughs> so. They can go to this place. Basically, you just describe and detail exactly what kind of girl you want. And succubuses can change their appearance to anything you want. So, you know, then you get like I a bunch of... I how specific like they were being. Oh, I know. It was so great. <laughs> and I like how even when, with the d- detailed descriptions, there's so many of them that change in such different ways just because imagination and stuff of different people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, They're like, I want this type, but then we also still offer a variety of that type. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then you pick the one that's closest to what you were imagining or that like, appeals to you the most. And at this and point, I was like, what is going to be the thing that is going to make it so? Because then they say like that it's half as expensive as well. And yes. I was like, Wait, and it's double what? the time. It's double the time. Yeah, double dude. the time. Half as expensive. You get exactly what you want. What is the downside here? <laughs> yeah, there's the catch. There the downside is you will never look at a squeeze top bottle ever the same <laughs> again. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, got a sandwich and I just want to put some ketchup on top. But now I feel I'm disturbed about putting this ketchup on my thought you gotta sandwich. take that cap off and get every last <laughs> bit of ketchup out of that bottle baby oh my god <laughs> but yeah so they all pick their very specific fantasies and they'll just be surrounded by these girls that are all like a version of that and they pick that one whichever one um and stunk especially was like very specific he's just like i want this and this and this and i want her to have these kind of tits and this kind of ass and like he has very specific tastes. Um, and then they all go back with their respective people. And Krim is like by far the most interesting experience because they just show his dick as a mayo bottle the entire time. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, this I is a weird. laughed the entire time that mayo bottle was on the fucking screen. <laughs> oh it was killing me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as you would imagine, the mayo just goes everywhere. <laughs> Mm-hmm. multiple times <laughs> well yeah yeah um and then at the end the empty mayo bottle like they replace it with an empty one <laughs> well like, at and first she- it has like that little tiny bit left and she's like i'm at art sorry crim is like i'm at my limit and then they're like no no you're not you're gonna keep <laughs> going you have just a little bit 
nothing left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so you find out like these girls are insatiable, just like the lower end succubuses. And that's why it's cheaper and they go longer and like, you know, all that. Like that's the catch. And uh, it's like 10 days or more after like no, they can't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> they're just so completely guess, yeah. cleaned out like for yeah 10 days. they're just done so i guess that's like um a, a lot of travelers who want to go on a really long trip will will use them right before because they don't want to be distracted by <laughs> sexual thoughts so it's like a good way to get it all out and all of that and i mm. love crim's description of like in the end it didn't even feel good and yeah I like the uh, the elf guy's description who is like, if you want to do like cute pillow talk, do it beforehand because by the end you're going to be almost too clear minded and you're not even going to be able to be into it. Like you're just going to be like completely sharp minded and not thinking about sex at all. So, yeah, (laughs) it's interesting. Yeah. But hey, I mean, it sounds fun. Do you guys feel like the review scores in this are like kind of like random sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Yep. I feel like they're almost all the same almost most of the time. It's like a really good example of where like the words that they say about in the review matter way more than the actual arbitrary score that yep. they get. Exactly. The mon- yeah. the manga is the same way. I look at the scores and I'm like okay, but then like I read the the, the descriptions in the manga and I'm like this told me so much fucking more than this number did and like you're saying they don't i don't feel like they line up sometimes yeah i especially like with crim like sometimes i I don't understand his scores i'm just like uh okay (laughs) that doesn't make sense but uh, sure but yeah i don't know yeah it's it's a little weird yeah i mean they just basically give it an average score and you're just like well okay but yeah their words tell you a lot more like you said be calm it's (laughs) And also, when they get a seven, I, like, feel bad for, like, the succubus girls. Like, they did their job extremely well. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. You're fa- I mean, did, isn't it a good thing that you're, you're not thinking about sex? I don't know. Yeah, I, like, a seven uh, feels like a very, like, their most average score. Mm-hmm. But then, like, to me, like, a seven's like, that's a, that's a pretty good score. That's pretty decent. good. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, you would yeah. go there. But it's not a ten. Mm. It's not a nine. It's hard to get a 10, you know? It is. In this show, it's very hard to get a 10. (laughs) (laughs) So would you guys like to end on a uh, coronavirus sex joke? Oh, Uh, sure. Sure. I'm excited. (laughs) How do you practice safe sex during this uh, coronavirus outbreak? Ooh. Get somebody with a dick six feet long? I don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) You do it doggy style so she coughs into the wall. Ah, nice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i've actually heard a, a lot of jokes about how there's gonna be a lot of december babies <laughs> yeah because uh, everyone's yeah. fucking everyone's stuck in their house fucking all right nothing else to do <laughs> yeah it's like you're you're only a few feet away from your person at all times it's like well i mean we're here <laughs> that and the divorce rate skyrockets in about a month or two. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Everyone will be very certain about where they stand with the people in their immediate family. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody out there, be safe, be careful, try your best to, you know, stop the spread of everything and you know, live your life how you want to. Catch up on anime. Uh yeah. it's also a thing you could do. Uh you could start watch you could start watching more Naruto like I have. <laughs> oh shit. I mean, yeah, you gotta do something with all the time. I gotta watch that my teen room romantic comedy snafu. I started rewatching that too, Leo. Actually, I'm like Christ. five episodes into the first season for next season. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. 
All right. So thank you all for listening. Uh, remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcasts or videos. Uh, you can always find our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher as well, or any podcast feed, really. And follow us on Twitter, at NerdomandOther, for updates as the podcast goes up. Um, come hang out on our Discord, where we're talking about all things, mostly video game consoles, like today. Um, and uh, probably a lot about Doom and maybe Animal Crossing in the near future. But there's a link and for Warzone. that in the description. Call of Duty Warzone. And Woo! Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, and with that, we will see you all next time. Peace. Yeah, bye.